Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, and I'm sitting here with Sam Zicky Rodriguez. That's me. Uh, on my left, and it's so nice to have you here, uh, and unfortunately, we're, we're missing... Tom again. Yeah, he's still on those Starlink satellites. No, no, no. Actually, he got back from that, and and now where he is is kind of interesting. He actually went to his annual. He takes a like an annual pilgrimage uh, to the Gilligan's Island reunion. Oh, that's uh, right. conference. And he just, I mean, he had his uh, uh, a "Don't Re- Rescue Me" T-shirt on. <laughs> he wants to stay on Gilligan's Island forever. Uh, and I understand that like one of the greatest moments of his life. He yes. told me this was when. They finally added the professor and Mary Ann to the song. Yes. Like for years, it was like, and the rest, you know, <laughs> here are. But like, there were just two more people. They couldn't name us the professor and Mary Ann. <laughs> and so that was a, it just, it was a moment of fulfillment <laughs> for him. So anyway, uh, I'm glad for him. And so hopefully he'll be back next time. Um, so with that said, <laughs> see, I, I was confused when they made that change because I thought it was a reference to the Sabbath rest and and, yeah, right. <laughs> and the rest. Yeah, no, no, it really wasn't. It, I don't believe it was. Uh, anyway, so there you have it. Uh, we are we're going to spend a few minutes here talking about uh, this. Is a neat. It's kind of like a. Uh, an interesting gospel passage, uh, and the reason I say interesting because all of them are interesting. It's it, it's but it's beautiful. It's kind of like a story within a story, right? And it comes from the Gospel of Mark, and in uh, the fifth uh, chapter of Mark, we've got this story of uh, um, a synagogue official named Jairus, and his twelve-year-old daughter is ill. In fact, she's near death, mm. um, and so he comes to Jesus and says, uh, "You need to come and lay hands on her." You need to come and touch her, right? Lay hands on her, and so she'll be healed. You know, please. And so Jesus goes with him, right? So you'd think the next thing that happens in the story is he shows up at the house and he, you know, lets me go in and whatever. But sandwiched in between those two events where Jesus, where Jairus comes to Jesus and where Jesus shows up at uh, the synagogue official's house, he, there's another story. Uh, and it's, it's wonderful. It says... Uh, um, there was a woman afflicted with hemorrhages for 12 years. Now, this woman um, shows up in the middle of this other healing story. Yeah. So it's like a healing within a healing. Because it says at the end of Jairus, you know, coming to Jesus, says he went off with him and a large crowd followed him and pressed upon him. So there's all these people around him, right? Jairus and, and the, everybody, right? Is right. pressed around Jesus. And then it says there was a woman afflicted with hemorrhages for 12 years. Now, I'm going to stop there. I mean, can you imagine that? No, that sounds not fun at all. This, I mean, this woman basically has been bleeding for 12 years. Wow. Uh, and I, I can't imagine. And then it goes further. Now, this part is a, a, maybe it's a little commentary on modern medical science, but it says she had suffered greatly at the hands of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet she has, was not helped, but only grew worse. I wow. mean, it's just nothing was helping her. Wow. Now, you know, we know a lot about medical science now, and, and I imagine she might have been able to be helped in a different way or something. Hopefully, that would have been the case. But even back then, they had no idea what was going on. I'm sure they were doing... So, in other words, it was even more painful. Yeah. It was even worse because the only people that could help her didn't know what this was, and they even made it worse. Right. And so, so how, how horrible 
that that must have been. Yeah. Right. Uh, to be to have experienced that, and then it says she had heard about Jesus, came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his cloak. Now, first of all, I mean, think about this. There's a huge crowd. Right. Right. There's just a huge crowd gathered around Jesus, and she comes up behind him. Yes. Right. So so there's a there's a little bit of uh, uh, I don't know feeling like she is not worthy. Right. Uh, there's, there's. I just want to be uh, anonymous. Right. Um, and yet she approaches him. So it takes great faith for her to approach him. And maybe even at that point, she just heard Jesus was there. So she heard about one more possibility. This well, was a last, last ditch effort. Perhaps. It's a real difference, though, if you think about it, between Jairus, you know, being intentional about getting the attention of the Lord. Yes. And making a request of the Lord, directly petitioning him, and and receiving uh, a yes from the Lord to go forward and, and specifically take a concrete step towards healing uh, Jairus' daughter versus this woman. She skips all that, and there is a faith and a or trust. Or she doesn't feel worthy to do all that. Right. She's it's like doesn't want one more rejection. Well, but it, but it, we see there an unleashing of the power of of the incarnation. There she is. She's just she's just reaching out. And but she says this. These words are so beautiful. If I but touch his clothes, I shall be cured. Yes. I mean, so there's there's great faith there. She didn't even have to touch him. She just has to touch his clothes. His clothes. Yeah. So for all those people that are uh, worried about uh, the, the concept of the Catholic teaching about relics, yeah. By the way, this is a great example, right? We have like Peter's handkerchief and things like yeah, that. I think that's we, like Acts nineteen it, or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yes. And we have other examples uh, throughout Scripture where uh, an inanimate object, right, is used by God to heal, and, and this is one of those times where. It's not Jesus's uh, body, right? It's his cloak, right? Which is on his body, so it's touching him. Yes, right. So she says, "If I but touch his clothes, I shall be cured." Right. Immediately, her flow of blood dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. So this is like this is so beautiful because it worked, right? I mean, I mean, part of me, part of me wonders. This isn't unstated, but when you hear about somebody, if I were, if someone outside the context of this gospel passage, if someone said, um, "I kept seeking treatments and I kept seeking treatments and and it kept getting worse, it kept getting worse," my first thought is, are they seeking some sort of like a new age treatment, yeah. some sort of an occult treatment? Because sometimes, and I wouldn't be surprised if, especially in the ancient world, doctors like, I don't know what to do here, right. but here's this potion. Yeah. You know, th- she very well could have had not just a physical affliction, but a demonic affliction, it potentially. Been. potentially right. Could you know, have been just, something going on there, absolutely. Uh, you know, um, but it, and either way, yeah, right, her faith was not in crystals or something. She, it doesn't say, and clutching her crystals. <laughs> <laughs> she reached forward and touched Jesus. It doesn't. It doesn't say that, right? Right. She in 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 humility. Yes. Right. And misery, uh, seeking mercy, seeking healing. You know, she basically steals up behind him and reaches out, and with those last words of faith, "If I but touch his clothes, I will be cured." And she touches, and that that blood is dried up. 
And it's just an amazing thing. Now, now we know that it was the power of Jesus yes. that healed her. And the reason we know that is because the, the next line, it says, Jesus, aware at once that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and asked, who has touched my clothes? And that amazed. That's just some. There's something mystery. So there's there. lots to unpack there. So yeah. first of all, he knows that the power's gone out of him. Yes. Now, okay. I, I want to point out that this kind of helps us to know that the that Jesus didn't send the power out of him. Right. It essentially means that Jesus is basically just walking power. Yes. He is walking authority. Yes. Right. He he is walking healing. Well, he too. He too was a conduit. You know, we speak a lot of times in terms of being. He was Jesus, and so he was more than a conduit. But you know, we speak in terms of uh, we as Christians are called to be vessels of grace, yeah, and to be conduits of, of God's yeah. will for others. Well, Jesus, he was more than that because he is Jesus, but he was also that. Well, specifically in the incarnation, yes, right, the indwelling of the divine, yes, right. So, so the divine takes on flesh, so that flesh then becomes. You know uh, that uh, that conduit. Well, and Christ speaks in the Gospels multiple times about it's the Father working through Him. Yes. So this could be a little hint at the mystery of our Heavenly Father working through uh, Jesus. And in fact, you might have all three uh, present there. It could be that yeah. the Holy Spirit has li- proceeding from the Father and the Son, literally through. Jesus, my work of the Heavenly Father That's to right. heal her. So, so this is what's so cool about this. So Jesus, aware at once that the power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and asked, Who has touched my clothes? And this is what's so funny. Always in all of these gospel stories, there's like somebody who has to learn something. Right. And so in, in this case, it's his disciples. It says, But his disciples said to Jesus, You see how the crowd is pressing upon you, and yet you ask, Who touched me? Right, so they they see there's literally hundreds of people walking around, you know, reaching out trying to touch Jesus. I'm sure. So what I'm reminded here of uh, actually is the, the 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 when Jesus greets the women of Jerusalem during his passion, and there's that really strange moment when. Uh, he says, weep for yourselves to them. And people say, well, what, what does that mean? Don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves. And uh, the reason I'm reminded of that is the reason I believe Jesus said to the the women of Jerusalem, weep for yourselves, is they didn't see the God-man suffering. They saw man suffering, yeah. right? And because they didn't have the eyes to see and, and, and think as God does and process this passion in the fullness of its reality, right? Well, what's the best advice to give them? Well, the Psalms tell us, you know, we should we should weep for our sins. You know, we should we should so weep for yourselves. He's giving her, he's giving these women of Jerusalem the best advice that he, to give them spiritually, right? Because they don't have eyes to see the God man. Um, weep for yourselves. Well, in this instance, you've got people clamoring around him who probably also don't see the God man, right? But this woman sees the God man and reaches out and says, "If I can just touch his cloak." Yeah. He has the power to heal me. Mm. Yeah, amen. No, and so I, I, I wish we could all have that kind of faith and see the God-man, right, and realize the power that, that Jesus has. You know, and a lot of times we see in other places where just the power that's in his name. Oh, yeah. Right, you know, it's not, because we don't have his cloak right here all the time, but, there, but we do have something uh, uh, of Jesus that we, that we can talk about in just a minute, but... but even his disciples then were like, 
walking around him. Right. And sometimes I think about our church. And I think sometimes people in our church who should know better mm-hmm. don't often, because they're surrounded by it so much. Yeah. Right? That sometimes all of us have something to learn. And you'd think the disciples, you'd think the apostles at some point in time would stop asking questions when Jesus would say something. Right. Because it's like, you know, like like if there was a new guy that showed up, it's like Ralph. Right. right. One of the one of the newest apostles shows up. Ralph shows up and, and Ralph goes like, what do you mean, Lord? Everyone's touching you. They're like, shut up, Ralph. Do you not get it? This is the Lord. When he says something, he doesn't just say stuff just to say it. There's a reason. He's, he's the word. <laughs> he's the word. <laughs> right. So so here, uh, you know, and yet you ask, who touched me? But he doesn't respond to them. No. Instead, what he does is he goes about his business. says, and he looked around to see who had done it. The woman, realizing what had happened to her, approached in fear and trembling. So she still approaches our Lord in fear and trembling. She doesn't boldly walk him and say, it was me. Yeah. I touched your cloak, and I'm the one that got healed. You know, instead, there's still uh, there's a fear and trembling. Uh, and I think not so much scared as it is a recognition of the Lord. Yeah. Right? That's the wonder and awe that we hear about in confirmation. But really, it's fear of the Lord. Right. That we hear about in confirmation, that great gift of being in the presence of the Lord. It's like the first thing you want to do is go down on your knees. I would I would hope that's what I'd want to do in the presence of the Lord. And not boldly walk up to the Lord and say, You know, I don't really need you. Right. You know, I'm not I'm not saying that that's what she's saying or anything right. else. But but all of us need to have that sense of fear and trembling. The fear of the Lord when we when we're in the presence of the Lord. And she does. So she's still who the the same woman that kind of came up behind him. Right, who reached out and touched him, that same one who's now healed still has that fear and trembling. Right, mm-hmm. so then it says she fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. He said to her, "Daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be cured of your affliction." Wow. I, I just that's a beautiful, beautiful story, and and really it calls all of us into uh, sort of a, a little discernment, a moment of discernment for ourselves. What is it that we have that needs to be healed? Right. Right. What, what, what's going on in our lives? You know, and I'm not saying it's something like a, like a 12-year hemorrhage, but it might be a 12-year addiction. Yep. It might be a 12-year a, a problem with anger. Right. It might be a, a sense of loss or foreboding or a, a grief that you just can't get rid of. A broken relationship. It might be any of those things. Right. And, and the thing is, we need to... Sort of give ourselves over and in fear and trembling, even in a crowd, reach out, you know, and, and I can just see our hands reaching towards like the cloak of Jesus, you know, and our, and our fingers are real, they're, they're shaking. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that image, that idea that if I can just touch his cloak, you know, I'll be healed. And, that, and that's, each of us needs to do that. And that's what this story teaches us. Now, it's it's kind of neat that this story is sandwiched in between the the uh, you know the A and the Z, the Alpha and the Omega of this Jairus story. Sure, right. And then there's like this other story. And there's some things you mentioned juxtaposing the difference between Jairus and then this hemorrhaging woman. Well, another thing that's interesting is you know if we look at the readings for this Sunday, uh, the first reading is from the Book of Wisdom. And I think actually there's a line from that first reading that uh, also helps flesh out uh, this moment a little bit. Pun intended. Ha <laughs> ha! So uh, 
the line is that through the envy of the devil, death entered the world. And, you know, a lot of times we have this notion that, uh, you know, a lot of people look at pride as being sort of the sin that made uh, the devil and, and his minions fall and rebel against God. And, of course, you know, there's pride in every sin. Um, but here in the Book of Wisdom, we see specifically it's envy. Now, who is he envious of? Well, um, our church fathers point to, you know, the angels being envious of God's favoring of human beings, yeah. of, of we're being we're created in his image. We are uh, these, these flesh creatures walking around in this right. flesh world. You know, these... Angels, their spirit, their 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 they're pure spirit, like God. Doesn't that make us more special? They're pure intellect and will, so they've got this like level of intelligence that human beings we're not capable of having, of having right. intelligence anywhere near just like the lowest rung angel, right? And yet we're being favored in this and way. Ultimately, God would take on flesh, and He would take on flesh. Exactly. The other thing is, so the devil and they had perfect infused knowledge at the time of the fall. So they knew, according to St. Thomas Aquinas, they knew that what they were doing was wrong when they rebelled against God and they, and they, they, they were at envy towards God's favoring of human beings. And they knew it was wrong and they did it anyhow. And it had it all surrounded the incarnation and they knew that they weren't going to get redeemed, but they knew that we would be experiential learners. They knew that we would fall and have the opportunity for redemption through God taking on flesh through the incarnation. So here we see the power of the incarnation. We see this woman in need of healing, this woman in her brokenness. And we see along with her, all of us in our brokenness, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, being invited to reach out and touch Mm, Jesus. And here we're seeing that redemption of you know un- unleashed by the power of his incarnation. I have a feeling the devil and his minions were not terribly pleased with this moment. No, of course not. No, in fact, they hated it. Yes, <laughs> it's just like the envy got. They were like envy of the envy. It was. Yeah. It was. It's even, it was even worse. It was just compiled, you know, because it's ultimately um, the great the great gift. Uh, and suddenly, it's like because of our fall. You know, oh, happy fault. Yes. I mean, it's like because of our Felix Culpa, because of our our fall, we can be we have a we have a, an awesome redeemer. Right. Yes. And so the angels, you know, and, and because of our flesh. Yes. We can be healed. Yes. If we didn't have the flesh, we wouldn't be needing healing. I mean, so it's just kind of like that that thing which is supposed to be the broken part of us. Right. Is the 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 method of our redemption, right? It's Jesus saving us, but saving what? Our our physical being as well as our spiritual being. So it's a it's a beautiful beautiful uh image that you have. You're right. And and the devil is envious. I mean, it's something we have over the devil. That's what people need to understand. The devil wishes he could be us, yeah. <laughs> right? And he had his chance at the very beginning when he chose not to follow God. Yeah, I mean, it was his free will choice not to follow God. That's who, what happened to Lucifer. I mean, he made yep. that choice, that one one time choice at the very beginning of creation when he was created. No, he didn't want to follow God. Yes. Right? And so that's and so he's envious of us. 
Yes. Because even when we fall, Jesus just picks us right back up again. Yes. And loves us so much. And so that's a that's a powerful, powerful image. And people need to understand that that envy of the devil for us gives us an authority over the devil. Yes. Because it's the authority of God Almighty. It's the authority of Jesus Christ. Right? Yes. In his name. So that's powerful. Now, I, I, I want to mention, going back to this story of the hemorrhaging woman, I, I do want to mention that it's interesting that, like, we have this little episode, and then by the time Jesus gets to Jairus' daughter, she's dead. Yeah. So this hemorrhaging woman, you, someone might think, like Jairus, who was probably watching the hemorrhaging woman get saved, was like, when, Jesus, we really need to get to my daughter. I, mean, right. I, I don't want to stop you here, but right. no, he doesn't say that. And I have no idea what he was thinking. <laughs> but I'm, I'm thinking if, if I, my 12-year-old daughter was going through this, I'm like going, this is all beautiful and everything, but like, can we walk faster? Yes. Right? And by the time he gets there... Everyone's crying. Yeah. You know, and then Jesus says, what is everybody crying about? And he goes in by himself, and he then he does that Talitha Koum, you know, which is uh, little girl rise. Yes. You know, she's, hey, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. Right. You know, it's like that, uh, uh, what's it, not, uh, what is the, 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 the princess bride? She's just mostly dead. <laughs> you know? She, so, so he, he actually brings her, you know, has her rise. He went to Jairus. Yes. <laughs> Well, it's just it's it's beautiful. So 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 we have two healings that take place. Yes, and uh, and ultimately again, we're talking about broken bodies. Yes, being healed. And I would imagine, I'm just guessing here, but in both situations, that multiple spiritual healings took place. Oh, I'm sure in that process because when we when you witness miracles and when you see Jesus work, right when you see that. It's not just your body that's fixed. Right. Right. There, there's, and, and then people who maybe didn't even know that they had some spiritual problems were like, just being in that presence and seeing that, you know, that, that whole, you know, and they lived happily ever after, you know, probably takes place here. Oh, no. I, I couldn't agree more. I remember uh, I had a friend who uh, had a terrible bout with cancer and, and he asked me to come and pray with him. And, you know, and I asked him, you know, because he said he was a lapsed Catholic and he hadn't really prayed uh, that much at all, but he wanted to be prayed for now that he had some cancer. And so I asked him a little bit, and I asked him to open up about, you know, why he left the church, why he hadn't been active, and he right. started sharing uh, some stuff from some severe old wounds that yeah. was heavily resistant to, you know, let Jesus into that moment and into that moment of wounding. And I had to have a tough moment with him where I said, like, that's your more serious cancer. Yeah, you know, I, I I know it may not feel like that because it, the scariness of the news that came your way, but if you focus on getting rid of that interior cancer first, and we and you let us pray for dealing with that, I guarantee you, you know, it's way more important in the grand scheme of things. Well, whether there, you realize there are it or not. again, now I, I I I'm not a medical expert, and I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a, even a really a spiritual healer of any kind, right. you know, but I, I would imagine that tied to physical ailments, there are also spiritual ailments that, oh, that sure. might be hidden and woven in there. And to realize that a complete healing is really one that uh, is, is body and spirit. Uh, and, and that's one of the great gifts that our church has. Oh yeah. The ability or the, the process through which people can be healed in multiple facets and multiple ways in their lives. Now, I had I, I, kind of hinted before that I was going to talk about something. It's been the last few minutes of our program here. 
focused on something that all of us, you know, we all are called to reach out to Jesus. Yes. Right? Now, I don't know, Sam, when the last time you saw Jesus with his cloak walking down, you know, the street. We we really haven't. Right. It's just not a, a modern day thing. And so we think like, well, lucky those people. Yeah. But, you know, we have to remember as Catholics, what we teach, what we believe, what we profess, what we know to be revealed by God that is true, and that is Jesus, is present, truly and really present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in Eucharist. I mean, he is here in Eucharist. And so, so as we pray that we reach out and touch Jesus, there's no better way to touch him than essentially to consume him. Yes. I mean, it is the ultimate touching. It's an opportunity for all of us to be healed. And we can be healed in Eucharist. I mean, we can be healed in the same way this woman is healed. Now, I'm not saying that if you just go and say this, but I am saying that you have faith. If you have faith and present yourself in faith and receive in faith, that you'll be moved. Right, that you will be moved in some form or fashion, that spiritual you'll be healed. And, and potentially, there's all kinds of Eucharistic miracles that take place, but we have the opportunity to touch Jesus in a profound and real way, more than we recognize. And so to, to sit and, 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 and wait and hope that one day that there's going to be, uh, hey, the Vatican is bringing uh, Jesus' cloak around for people to touch. Right. I... I, I if that happened, I probably would touch it. Okay, I'm just gonna be. I'm gonna tell you, I would, yeah. and I would have faith, and I'd want to. And I don't know that that cloak exists, by the way. You know, we, the shroud of turn, whatever it is, you what relic you wanna you wanna know and believe and have faith in. That's great. I'm just saying that we have Jesus, yes. really and truly present in the Eucharist, wherever there is a mass, yes, wherever the priest is holding his hands out over what was bread and wine and saying those words. Right, Where, wherever that takes place, Jesus is present if and ready to heal. If you're going through a tough time and you see yourself and there's a Catholic church, stop in the parking lot. Even if you don't have time to visit the tabernacle, just stop in the parking lot and be like, "I want to just be near Jesus for a second. Or go in, or go in, go in and sit in the dark and look at the tabernacle. Yes, right. And there's so many parishes that are offering, uh, you know, perpetual adoration and whatnot. So I just lots of opportunities and lots of ways in which we can. Allow Jesus to heal us through touching him. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, if only I but touch his clothes, if only I but receive him in Eucharist, I can be cured. Let's ask the Blessed Mother to watch over us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother Mother of God, pray pray for for us sinners, sinners, now and in the the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.